Welcome to episode 26 of Get Out of Rap and today features the start of some shorter episodes where um, my guests will just be sharing some helpful practical tips or pointers on contact centre related questions. First up is my friend and work colleague Pete Dunn. Pete has worked at NPower and also the Forum prior to joining BPA Quality. He has a brain the size of Mars um, and today he applies it on contact selection for your call monitoring. What do you monitor? It should be noted as well that at this point Pete was imminently waiting the birth of his son and happy to say by the time this is published he and his wife Stephanie now have a lovely boy called Flynn. So we recorded this a couple of days before and Pete was on a high red alert, ready to go. So congratulations, Pete and Stephanie, and um, hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. Hello, joining me today is one of the guys I'm lucky enough to be part of the same team of. Um, he has a massive brain um massive ginger beard <laughs> he's not australian even though i call him peter um pete dunn is the emia community engagement manager for um, bpa quality prior to that he was at the forum and npower has a wealth of experience in all things contact centers and qa and what i wanted to do sharing is caring is kind of pick at Pete's knowledge and experiences and in a series of you know 20 minute chunks try and um, pick out some key topics predominantly around QA but as you know with our thoughts on how the QA function can influence all parts of a contact centre hopefully there will be benefit to you if contact centres are your world so a big long introduction here he is Pete Dunn hi Pete G'day. <laughs> thanks for yeah, thanks for that intro, uh, Martin. Um, yeah, definitely not Australian, but uh, definitely a big ginger beard. I'm not sure about the size of the brain. I think it's just there's a lot of random thoughts going on in there all the time. So <laughs> we're going to try and just focus on the ones that are about um, QA for the time being. We'll give it a go. Yeah, I think one of the things that we get asked um, a lot or seems to be a topic of conversation in the QA world is what contacts should we be focusing on to do our QA? Is that one of the most popular questions you get? And, and what, where do you, how do you answer that? Um, yes, uh, to the first bit, it is something that, that crops up a lot. Um, I think everyone is always trying to look for more value from uh, what what they're assuring. You know, it's it's how can you get more juice from the squeeze kind of thing, and really show value of QA to a wider business because I think that's one of the key things that people always want to try and do is is to show off that we're not just listening to calls or reading emails or so on. We're we're, we're deriving value in many different ways from it. Um, so people always say, you know, what's the right number per month? That's that's still a perennial question. Um, 
and my answer always is well there isn't a magic number you know um statistical validity says if you do three per agent per month if it's a call if it's an email if it's a web chat then you will get um you'll get a a view from the contact center level or the channel level of of what are the repeatable issues and and you get uh, a, a confidence place um that you can you can hear the right things repeatedly and that you can use that value and auditors like that but i've always been very much um in, in a space of actually if you focus on certain key areas you will get more value from quality assurance activity so i think one of the the key things for me is if if, if you say like your contact center inbound channels are your whole giant pot of customer contacts and when you apply uh, a random sampling method to that or you know it might be uh, validated it might be stratified there's various different ways of cutting it but fundamentally if you start listening to that um, at that wide level then you can determine I think a very shallow level of insight um, I think what you need to do is really focus on your channels more specifically so if you're going to listen to complaints to get a maximum amount uh, out of your complaints assurance don't just listen to calls that might be complaints listen to calls that are definitely complaints because they're one of the most purest forms of insight you can get from a customer you know as the british public we tend to complain to each other like about the weather and standing in queues and so on and, and at this moment in time it's very much around who isn't and isn't behaving in terms of lockdown but um generally when it comes to complaining to a company it has to be something quite bad before we take the time to, to put the effort in because sometimes it's not the easiest thing is it to complain to a company um so complaints is a great example of that and listening to your complaints calls you're going to hear a lot more issues you could probably from a qa perspective you're going to see a lot more uh, failures of, of of required standards so if you go from this general view of of what's going right and wrong within your your, your contact center as a whole and then you compare that to the complaints pot your pass rate is probably going to drop quite significantly but it's important not to get hung up on that one because instead what you want to do is look at the value of the outcomes of, of looking at the contact types within that complaint pot or your sales pot or you know your, your renewals your retentions whichever area it might be that you, you it it's about being targeted and responsive i think is, is the key thing there if you're looking at your if you're being asked this question um from a company are there certain variables anyway that are going to determine your your answer so the extent the size of the qa support whether technology is being utilized or can pick up some of the slack what the different channels are once you have all of those and you have the volume of contacts anyway where do you where do you start how, how would you do, you do you just go okay we've got some numbers we've got these variables where do we deploy our resource knowing that we can do x amount of output in, in a month how best to apply it because that isn't that fundamentally the challenge that people that people face and even if they've been well established i guess this kind of 
moving their workforce home due to the coronavirus crisis has made people question their contact strategy or yeah, their QA of contact strategy anyway. But if you've got that starting point, what, what's next? Or is that the million dollar question? It, it, it's a very interesting uh, and expansive question. Yeah, I, th I think <laughs> I think I think as you, as, as you say there, um, there are so many variables. Um, if you try and nail them all down to get uh, a truly solid starting point, you'll never you'll never get there. Um, so there's so many internal and external factors, you know, like propensity to call, what kind of business you have. Um, Where's your MPS? Where's your CSAT right now? As you mentioned, what's happening with your customers that you can't control? You absolutely cannot control a global pandemic. Um, you can't even influence it directly. What you can do is work on the emotional engagement um, and supporting your own agents in a time of, of crisis that everyone's experiencing in their own different ways. And I think one of the one of the key things there uh, that you mentioned is um, people have translated, you know, within our industry into home working, um, and that that's that's a key change. That's that's a huge thing. That was never going to happen previously, right? That was that was on an IT roadmap twelve months down the line, and it kept being twelve months down the line for the last few years, and all of a sudden that massive change has happened. I think you can live. Um, you can, you, I guess, you can live with with. Um, there is change. There will always be change. You know, uh, as, as I think it was Heraclitus is probably one of the first people who's who's quoted as, as saying change is constant. Um, I think it's very much around the human element that we we do like to talk about at BPA quality and what what changes um, has driven what what impacts have have occurred in in not just your customers but of course your agents and how do you support them but that that's a that's a very expansive and separate topic i think in terms of how you can support in terms of of, of choosing contact types is get away from let's do three per agent per month because it's statistically valid and it satisfies the auditor and moving to looking at things like you know there's the time of the day the day of the week how tenured is an agent um, what changes in processes um, and expectations have been driven into your agent population? What repeat contacts are you seeing? What core composition exists within your business? Um, for me, you know, that, that last one especially is, is, is a key thing is, is to kind of say, if you're having repeat customer calls and the, or contacts and they're moving channels, are you as a QA function responding proactively and following that as, as a contact from start to finish or are you siloing each part of it which doesn't have a joined up view as a result so from the first moment a customer talks to your company we would generally say right well so that's that's customer contact and when they hang up the call customer contact is over and that might happen a few times but I like to think of it as when the customer is triggered to think about your business is when the contact time starts because that's from the customer's perspective and only when they're whether it's positive and they want to buy a new phone or change a contract and stay with you expand their services 
ill, whatever it might be, or it's negative, they have a complaint, as, as we've discussed, or there's something gone uh, and, and triggered them, whether it's a bill hitting the mat or an inbox or whatever it might be, that contact time, um, I think, needs to be looked at from a customer's perspective and followed from a customer's perspective. So it's, it's, it's very much around um, handling that with what are, what are our agents going through right now and realistically what matters, what really matters, because the, the, the so what of it all is oh, they haven't really said something in, in, in the way that we want them to. Oh, they've, they've missed saying their name three times within the conversation. They haven't said that part of the script properly. And actually, does any of that matter versus uh the customer's outcome mm. and i think that's where you can if you if you, you know there is a million different variables as you mentioned there but if you start to look at the areas where you think you can provide value and you're agile in the way that you do it and and then you do let's say a hundred calls as a start point and you listen to a hundred calls based on tenure of agents or repeat contact or call composition, whatever it might be. And that gives you a start point. And then of course it's important when you present that back to your stakeholders, it's very much around, this is a start point. This is some surface insight that, that we've, we've got. Um, that's showing us that our agents now they're at home, they're talking about different things in different ways. They're actually showing more empathy or less empathy or, you know, it's, it's very important, I think, that instead of being able to just chase a number each and every month and be maxed out each and every month to hit a volume, mm. that each and every part of that work has value to it beyond an intrinsic get your head down in the trench and churn. Because churn value in and of itself is, is much less than that that the, the kind of intrinsic insight that each and every interaction can provide your business so if you do half the volume you might ordinarily do but each one has considerably more value attached to it and overall your value is is much greater than if you just hit that that huge number you know based on the let's say three per agent per month or whichever number has been decided doesn't that then lend itself to the first question back in response to what how do we select our contacts is what are you looking to achieve because if it's we want to provide ammunition to allow our agents to be coached that lends itself to a certain number if it's we have to monitor a certain number for the regulator that determines some of your answer is it not it you would have said that back to someone and Maybe they want to look at a specific group or they have a specific um, theory to test. Can you, can you mix those two answers? Can you just, how do you advise people on that? Um, I, I'm, I'm very much, I, I just like to see what's possible. Um, I, th I think a lot, um, I know we talked about it before, but it wasn't on the podcast, so I'll mention it again to you. <laughs> um, I think a lot of, of comfort in day-to-day -day business as usual is derived from the known knowns, as it were. I won't do the whole thing because I'll end up sounding like Rumsfeld, but <laughs> those known knowns are around uh, the comfort of knowing that 80 or 90% of what's happening each and every day is expected, and it minimizes those unknown knowns. You know, what were 
potentially going to hear, but we, we don't necessarily know is going to happen within our contacts, but we've got a bit of an idea. And that then lends itself to volume and hitting numbers each and every month. And whilst I'm, you know, absolutely there is value in that because it, that large volume generates, as I say, that surface insight, I'm very much one for the, 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 the latter part, which is, as you say, talking to someone and saying, when we talk about quality assurance, what do you want from it? Mm. And aligning your response to that. Because if, if all of the business is chasing, you know, uh, we want 90 plus NPS in the next six months and your QA function is churning numbers and has a passing alignment mm. to supporting getting that NPS number up, then it's not going to provide the value that it could to the business. Flip it on its head and go, we're only going to focus on supporting that MPS push, then you can either accept that there's, there's going to be risk that you're going to miss other things, you know, because if, if you focus that QA engine just on let's go and get 90 plus MPS, there will be things happening that you do not hear in the course or you do not focus on. So it's about an acceptance of, you know, what's more important. And that's where that balance comes back in, which is, as I say, that wider level of insight. And it might be that a blended approach in that instance is the best approach because you have your generalized insight. These are the kind of things the customers are talking about. And then you have that focused, reactive, smaller sampling that can add further insight to that approach. And it certainly depends on the volume of people and the technologies you mentioned earlier that you have available to support you because speech analytics is in a place where it's getting better at detecting um, language specific industry language is always taking time. You know, you need to work with the engine that you have and you need to, to kind of teach it to um, understand, you know, specific terms. And I think the biggie is emotion, of course, as well. You know, the emotion management is, is, is huge. Um, we see that more and more. We look for more emotional intelligence from our front line. We look, to push uh, a more emotionally positive and easy conversation with our customers. And that's something that technology can't currently kind of mm. help us with fully. Mm. There's always some degree of enabling there, but when it comes to, to your question, I, I think it's a blended approach, but I'm always very much on a, I will accept some degree of risk to get more value from a function because as a business, generally, um, zero tolerance to risk is incredibly expensive and very difficult to actually implement because people aren't machines. People will make mistakes. It's more about coaching uh, to, to reduce those mistakes, coaching so people understand the impact of mistakes as opposed to trying to build a function that eradicates mistakes by, by virtue of you know, telling people they're wrong and getting rid of them and so on and so forth because it, it's just not feasible to do it. Um, and, and just things like um, building in that flexibility, I think, is, is the key to, to your question, I think, is, is very much around you need some place to start, you know, something that gives you that what's going on here. 
and then we go back to people because machines aren't inquisitive. The people who program the machines can be inquisitive and asking them to be inquisitive, asking your, your analysts to be inquisitive and say, follow that down that rabbit hole. Because mm. it sounds like there might be something going on for our customers there or there's some non-compliant thing here or whatever it might be. That is, that is you know, so, yeah. Look, going back round again, because I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over-egging the point. I think it's about the balance. Yeah. You, need, you need some degree of find that generalization because that, that, that skill generalization is key to finding potential issues and then really focusing in on uh, targeted and responsive and agile um, assurance activity against key things and accepting that you will not see risks as a result. You, it's, 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 just, it's a movable feast of finding the balance between those two things, I think. I love that. I love that, that you would have however you set your function up and however you look at your contact strategy, that you always have a percentage and allocation available to allow for inquisitive research of things that might be far more significant and far reaching than just the continually still important, but continual reassurance of adherence to a process and coaching, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. That in summary is what you're saying that you kind of have a set period or a set resource that can be quite creative with a contact selection. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, empowerment we talk about empowerment of agents a lot don't we but i think empowerment of of quality specialists is key as well in that instance and and asking them to be professionally inquisitive and chase what could be a problem but might not be but the value is in, in understanding and, and almost doing a five whys on what what's happening why is this thing occurring? Is it just this customer or is it loads of customers? Is someone else in the business aware of this issue or actually if we surface something new? Just asking these kind of questions um, and just naturally wanting to tear things up and, and, and look at things from, from that blank page. What's going on here? Can we make it better? That is, that is where you can get fantastic value from a QA function and, and just really drive actionable insight into the wider business. And it's that kind of thing that means you can, you can, instead of just kind of going every year, oh man, that QA function costs a lot. No one says that. No one's talking about that. What they're talking about is look at all the value that the QA function has delivered into this business. All of these process improvements, all these errors have been reduced or removed. All these customer experiences have been better. All these people have been coached more effectively. And it's, more, it's a lot more difficult to get that if you just churn because a lot of the outcome is, is incidental. Mm. You know, that, it's, that, it's that focus that really drives that value. That's great. Peter, thank you very much. And with all of these little series of um, snippets, we only are scratching the surface, literally. And I'm sure if this has prompted more questions or interest in people, um, I'm going to point them in your direction. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Um, contact, please contact Pete uh, at BPA or via via LinkedIn, and 
he will talk to you for far longer than 20 minutes on this, no doubt. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's absolutely, yeah. Uh, well, I've already talked loads there. It's something I can go on about for hours. It'd be fantastic if people do have uh, any any thoughts, queries, questions, challenges. Yeah, it'd be great if they do get in touch because it's, you know, uh, it's, it's fantastic to, to talk about and, and just expand my knowledge, um, just absorb all the time what people are thinking. It'd be great. But we'll be doing another little chat with uh, with Pete and picking at his massive big brain um, probably next week. So uh, see you all then. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that episode. There'll be another episode next week and there'll be a lot more coming, some shorter ones, some special ones. So if you haven't already, please do subscribe on whatever platform you use and um, speak to you again soon. Thanks. Bye. Yay!